Hey there, running friends. It's James here again, and I'm back with another episode of the podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk specifically marathon training, and I want to make sure that there are a number of real practical take-home bits of information that you can work with as you get into the new year and focus on your key race for the beginning of the year. Now, whether that is a marathon or whether that's a half marathon or even a 10K, these tips are going to be just as applicable, just as practical. And of course, if you know anybody in your life, whether it's a running friend, whether it's a colleague, a family member, a friend who would benefit from hearing these as well, feel free to share this episode of the podcast with them. And um, and again, just my goal for this whole podcast is to help as many people be successful with their running as possible. So this is actually a, think of it almost as an audio version and an expanded version where I want to kind of go off down a few uh, rabbit holes of a Facebook post that I wrote a few days ago. So we'll talk about the actual details in the post, but we'll also get into a few of the comments because I asked specifically from those who read the post to leave their marathon tips as well and get their thoughts on it. So I titled the post three marathon training mistakes to avoid. And that really is kind of the the, the bottom line. It's uh, just a, a question of starting to share a few bits of experience that have helped both me and other people get the most out of their marathon training. And of course, as I kind of think I alluded to a second ago, um, the biggest thing has to be making sure that we maintain a kind of injury-free status throughout marathon training and get to the start line rather than worrying too much about what happens between the start and the finish. The biggest goal really is actually getting to the start line uninjured. And of course, I really like the um, the saying, I suppose, I don't know if that's the right word, but the saying of, you know, kind of race day is a celebration of all the miles put in in training. And for me, the tips which we're going to go through are equally about getting you to the start line to be able to make that celebration, um, as well as making sure that you've done the appropriate paced work in training to be able to get the most out of race day itself and really kind of make the most of that celebration. Anyway, I, I really like that kind of that little saying. It sticks with me. So the first one in terms of avoid uh, avoidable mistakes is to avoid increasing your mileage too quickly. And it is always amazing to look back at the end of a successful marathon training block and see how much your fitness has developed over time, your endurance has improved, and your speed improved. And it's um, that said, it's, it's not a process that can be rushed. And in fact, rushing the process is one of the sources of injury that we so often see. People who bump up their weekly mileage or bump up their long run distance, and quite often both at once, um, bump it up too quickly. And the injuries that us as runners sustain, they're overuse injuries, generally speaking. You know, if you step off a curb and you, um, you, you you sprain your ankle or something like that, more of a kind of traumatic injury, then that's obviously unfortunate. That's that's frustrating, just like any injury, but it's more of an acute injury. The injuries that we see day in, day out amongst runners are things like your Achilles tendinopathies, things like your patellofemoral syndrome. So patellofemoral pain, um, runner's knee, things like ITB syndrome, things like shin splints, medial tibial stress syndrome, all those sorts of things which are far more overuse in nature. And as we start to get into our running and start to build up our running, if we build up the amount of training volume 
not just training volume, training load. So volume, frequency, and intensity we need to think about when it comes to training load. If we build that up too quickly, quicker than our body can reasonably adapt to those new kind of imposed demands, then we get into a position where perhaps we might end up more likely to pick up one of those injuries. So we can think about what can be done when it comes to trying to avoid the, ten the, the tendency to kind of do too much too soon. And the best way of doing that I've found is to look at the training program that you have ahead of you when it comes to the build-up for your, your marathon. So whether that's a 12-week, 16-week, 18-week program, and look at the first few weeks of that program. So if we're sitting here you know, early to mid-December, or perhaps if we were talking a month ago and we were in November, we'd be looking at the plan that we're looking to embark on perhaps at the, the last week of December, first week of January. And we could kind of dissect that a little bit and say, well, okay, I need to be at a point where if the first long Sunday run is, let's say, 10, 12 miles, I need to be at a point where I'm able to run that at least 8, 10 miles comfortably before the program kicks off so that that first long run isn't a big jump away from where you already already were in terms of your uh, in terms of your longest one-off session or you know longest standalone run equally if we look at weekly volume if you look at it okay you think well all right we start with 30 miles a week as our um our, our first couple of weeks they kind of hover around that 30 35 mile a week mark then if in November you're sitting around 20 miles a week, you need to think about, well, what can I do? What Which runs in the week can I start to bump up in terms of distance, just gently, to get me to a point where I kind of dovetail in from what I was doing before the program into those first few weeks of the program to make sure that, again, it's not a big jump up in terms of the amount of running you're doing. And then the same goes when it comes to the number of runs per week. You know, if you're comfortably running three runs per week and you know that the program you want to do is a five run per week program, then give yourself, you know, four, six weeks to build up into that program where you're going from three runs a week, add in a fourth run per week, then add in that fifth run per week and know that that little kind of, almost kind of, well, I said dovetail earlier, but that kind of taper into a program kind of reverse tape it into a program, um, will allow you to kind of bridge the gap between less focused training and a specific focused marathon block. So that's certainly something that I know will help a lot of people in terms of making sure that you don't just see it as, okay, 16 weeks back from my marathon, that's when I'm going to get serious. It's about getting serious so that you can be ready to start getting serious if that makes sense. Now, that pre-marathon block, I like to think a lot of the time as a block where you can get a little bit more on it in terms of the strength and conditioning work as well. So you can start setting up some good habits there. It's why I particularly pick November as being a great time of the year to start really pushing the third day challenge on the Kinetic Revolution site, because I know that those doing the... Um, those doing spring marathons will really benefit from spending November being more specific about their strength work, mobility work, stability work. Then hopefully that will carry on in terms of good habits through into the new year. Of course, as well, you know, base building work, a lot of time spent running, just building up the mileage just to that point where it's not going to be a big jump up as you start to uh, get into the marathon program properly, but lots of easy pace running just to build that underlying endurance never goes amiss. Okay, and while we're talking about easy running, let's talk about the second one of these tips. Now, it's you know, it's, it's certainly not the first time I've spoken, even on this podcast, about the importance of getting your 
easy runs, your long, slow runs on a Sunday and any kind of easy paced running midweek. Um, I say on a Sunday, by the way, can be whenever. Um, but getting those runs paced at an appropriate pace so that you're really taking the the kind of the aerobic endurance building benefit from that. So essentially making those long runs slow enough. Big mistake a lot of people make is they run their long runs too fast um, and they don't allow themselves to really maximize the kind of the aerobic development side of what those sessions should all be about, the kind of the endurance base, base building. Um, and instead, they just kind of just get into a position where because those runs have just become that little bit too hard, you almost carry over that fatigue unnecessarily into the following week. And you haven't really started to take the, um, the, 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 the real benefit from those long, easy sessions. Now, that said, and as I said, I am a real advocate of getting people to slow down. When it comes to marathon training, we need to find a balance between the long, slow work in those long runs versus time spent running at target marathon pace. Okay, so we need to know that, you know, if you're targeting, let's say, a four-hour marathon or a 3.45 marathon or a, three, uh, a 3.30 marathon, whatever it is, you need to know what your minutes per mile or minutes per K target marathon pace is and then factor in within particularly those long runs some time spent running at target pace. And there are a couple of ways I like to do that. And generally speaking, I actually do this slightly differently um, depending on where uh, within the program we're sitting. And I've done this for my own program. I've done this with plenty of runners that I work with, and it works really well. So to begin with, when we're in the earlier parts of the program, the long run I'd split so that when we're introducing target marathon pace work, we're doing so with short blocks. And there are so many ways of doing this, but one example would be a 16-mile run with two times three mile blocks um, out of target marathon pace in the middle. So I'd do a three mile block and then a couple of miles again running easy, then another three mile block in the middle of that 16 miles. Another way of doing it, and this is what I generally do closer to the closer to the start of the taper. So in the kind of the real key weeks, um, those peak weeks of your marathon program is think about fast finish long runs. So for example, another typical one would be an 18 mile run with a fast finish. So nine miles easy and then nine miles. So that back nine miles we're treating as target marathon pace through to the finish. Again, a nice way of really starting to get your body used to running at the pace that, you know, if we're going to even pace your marathon, um, which is, again, there are different pacing strategies, but you know, trying to even pace it is a great goal. Um, your body's going to have to get used to, to running at that pace one way or the other. Or even if you're trying to negative split, you know, you're going to have to go off that little bit easier, but you're going to have to make sure that you can hit that target pace for the second half to make that negative split um, and, and be familiar with what that pace feels with, not just from a physical point of view. So marathon pace on tired legs is a great thing to practice just from a point of view of teaching your legs to, to maintain that turnover under fatigue, but also the mental side. You know, getting familiar with what that pace feels like, getting familiar with what it takes under fatigue mentally to maintain that pace. It's a really, really important practice, definitely. Now, there is actually a, um, a link to a post, which I'll share in the show notes here um, on the podcast as well. But it's another post, an old post on Facebook, where I shared um, just some details about you know, why you shouldn't be too worried if target marathon pace feels a little bit too hard. Um, Again, there is a, a wider conversation to be had around that uh, in terms of goal setting and those sorts of things. But assuming you've got your goal right and your goal is reasonable, in those big weeks where your legs are tired coming into the big run, the, the big, sorry, the long run, your um, 
sorry, those big weeks where your legs are tired coming into the long run, that's what I was trying to say, um, you should definitely be feeling that target marathon pace is probably kind of borderline a little bit too hard to maintain. But just know that your taper and all the preparation pre-marathon will have you coming into that race a lot fresher than you will be coming into some of those big kind of 18, 20 mile runs uh, in those big weeks. So anyway, anyway have a look at uh, the, the link in the show notes if you're interested in that one. Now, of course, the next big one that I really want to cover is to avoid the tendency to want to play catch up. And I've kind of titled it, you know, panic training and playing catching up. It's kind of similar things. And and I am a realist, totally. You know, I, I know that life happens. You know, work gets in the way, family, staff, illness, all that sort of stuff. Um, and even though we set out with the best of intentions when it comes to marathon training, um, these things that get in the way, it, it kind of is what it is. And your marathon date isn't going to move. Your marathon date is just going to keep on getting closer. And one mistake that people make, which again, leads to making training errors and jumping up your your volume too much and trying to in trying to catch up um or in jumping up in too bigger steps and trying to catch up is when all of a sudden you get to a place where your training has been interrupted be that through a little niggle or be it through work or something else um you suddenly get into a point where you want to you know almost squeeze in the training in a kind of fairly panicful mode to try and get back to where you were otherwise on the program and what I would suggest, first and foremost, as a kind of guiding principle, is don't try and play catch up. Secondly, think about the sessions in your week as having some sort of hierarchy type order. So your marathon program, it's all built around the long run. Okay, people will argue with, with that, but I, I firmly believe that, you know, of course, there are key sessions, tempo work, hill sessions, track sessions, blah, blah, blah. But bottom line is you need to run 26.2 miles. You need to have the endurance in your legs to do so. It is built around your long run. So if you can at all avoid it, regardless of whatever else is happening in your training week, one way or the other, make sure that you manage to get your long run done and you manage to keep on making those regular progressions with your long run. For me, even if you have to rework your training week a little bit and find another place to squeeze in your long run, that I would much rather than, um, than than missing the long run. Now, that if that sits at the top of the hierarchy, then beneath that, that's where we've got sessions like, let's say, a Tuesday night tempo session or midweek easy runs, things like that. They can get shuffled around that little bit more. Okay, your, your speed work, so things like track work, tempo work, hill work, depending on what you're doing. Um, it's all important, but it's not for me as fundamental, especially for those who are perhaps down the newer side in terms of marathon running, you're in your first couple of marathons, it's nowhere near as fundamental as going out and making sure we get those long runs in the legs. Now, of course, this has to be underpinned by saying that you know the goal has to be to stick to your plan um, as much as physically possible. But I tend to treat each week as an open and closed block. Um, and if you miss a run during a given week, don't feel the pressure to try and squeeze that run in on the next week. Okay, just treat it wherever, wherever you, want, you want to run your week through to, Sunday to Sunday, Monday to Monday, Wednesday to Wednesday, doesn't matter, don't mind. Um, but see them as kind of very discreet week one, week two, week three, week four. And know that, you know, come the end of that week, anything that you missed out on, it's gone. Let's just focus on the next week and getting that right rather than trying to carry over long runs or carry over speed sessions or kind of get into that, that kind of panic training type place. Um, and 
bottom line again, if if the if the worst does happen and you kind of get into a place where one missed session turns into three missed sessions or a bad week turns into a bad three weeks, ultimately you might need to readjust your goals. And we'll talk about goals in a mo. Now, what I wanted to do is um is just jump in really to to the the comments underneath this Facebook post because there are a few again valuable little additions because I asked people to share their marathon tips, share what they would add to this really. Um and before I do that, I just want to reiterate because I don't want this to come across as negative. I don't want this to come across as, oh, don't do this, don't do that. You know, whatever your marathon goals are, you know, it's totally achievable. And this is again aimed particularly at those who perhaps haven't run a marathon and you're running a marathon, maybe you've got a charity place or a ballot place in the new year. Totally, totally achievable. Just kind of be kind to yourself. And this is particularly with the, with this last tip in mind, you know, the tip in terms of not playing catch up and not panic training. Be kind to yourself. Know that you know you have to um you have to take each week as it comes and you have to kind of just keep on chipping away at that progression. There is obviously a degree of um of discipline that comes in trying to make sure that you find time to get those long runs done. Um, but if something slips, don't beat yourself up and get yourself into a negative place where because of the negative thoughts you end up saying, Oh, well, you know, I've screwed this week up now. Oh, I, I just won't do the next few days and we'll start again on Monday. Don't get into that place. Just allow yourself to be that little bit easier on yourself and say, okay, these things happen, back on it tomorrow. Um, that that for me would, makes all the difference, definitely. Okay, so let's quickly get into some of these comments. Now, Nicholas um, in the comments was talking about setting goals and making sure that you're realistic in terms of your time goals. And and for me, this is a really big one as well. You know, it's very hard when it's your first marathon to actually know what a kind of a realistic time goal should be. And, and on that, I actually usually suggest to people that the real goal for your first marathon should be finishing strong, well-paced, with a smile on your face. You know, it may be a kind of a, a wry smile with very you know, kind of heavy legs, but a smile that you've gone and you've finished and you've got the job done, et cetera, et cetera. Knowing that, you want to perhaps do another one. Okay, what I don't want for you is to have a really torrid day and say never again and um, and just treat it as, as kind of one and done as an experience you don't want to repeat. I think if you get to a point where you've, you've said, yep, I think I did a good job there, I want to do another one, then that's a massive tick in the box. Of course, that said, we all do, even if we're outwardly saying, oh, I just want to finish, I'll be happy with a strong finish. I think a lot of us do still have a number in the back of our mind in terms of what kind of pace uh, or what kind of finish time we'd like. And the best thing I think you can do, whether you are a first-time marathoner or indeed whether it's your your 10th, is to look at recent race performances. And the closer we can get to the marathon distance, um, and what I'm saying there is saying you know, taking a half marathon or a 10K um, race performance versus a 5k race performance is going to give you a clearer idea of perhaps what your marathon um, time, predicted marathon time might be. But if you take a, a half marathon in January, February, or a 10k or a 10 miler in January, February, and you run that time, I particularly like Jack Daniel's VDOT calculator. Again, I'll put the, the link in the show notes. Run it through there and you'll get an indication of based on your current level of fitness. So based on that let's say 10 mile finish time, it'll say, right, assuming you get the appropriate, particularly distance in the legs, so you keep the long runs there, your 10 mile time um, would suggest that you would be capable of X marathon time. 
And that will just give you a good indication. I found Jet Daniels to be um, pretty accurate, especially if we, you know, again, try and use more like half marathon and 10 mile time finish times to predict marathons rather than 5k finish times because 5k again that could be an indicator of um just the fact that you've done a lot of tempo work and you've you've got used to hurting and pushing yourself hard but you may not have really got the underlying endurance work there to carry that kind of pace across to um or that kind of that kind of 5k fitness across to marathon fitness are two kind of very different things Anyway, I digress. The big mistake people make when it comes to doing that kind of um, work with something like a, a VDOT calculator is that rather than pasting in their recent finish time, they, pay, they, they do it in reverse. They paste in, right, I want to run a 3.30 marathon. So they type in the finish time, they then type in the distance, and then they hit go. And it tells you what kind of paces, not just race pace, but also training paces you need to hit or you should be hitting if you're going to be running a three-hour marathon. Now, the problem with that is, let's say if realistically you're in like, I don't know, 325 shape, um, and you suddenly go out and try and hit your 400 meters, 800 meters, K reps, those sorts of things, at the kind of paces that that you should be running at if you're in three-hour shape, that's going to be a big jump. That's going to be potentially putting more stress in your body than it's ready for. And the same goes for long run pace. If you go out and you're trying to do your long run pace at the pace that someone in three-hour shape would be doing, then that is, again, going to put more stress on the system. And again, you might find yourself breaking down. So I would definitely suggest using VDOT, but use it through the process of inputting recent race times rather than going for kind of wish list times, if you know what I mean. Okay, the next one was from Nick. Um, he says when he did his last marathon, he did one of those... Um, first half easy, second half. He did a few of those first half easy, second half uh, marathon pace sessions and they worked wonders. Came race day, settled into marathon pace really quickly, only lost a bit of time when he got to the business end. Okay, so again, that's just reiterating that um, for him, marathon pace worked really well. Claire as well says something similar. She says that uh, marathon pace is so important really helped nail my last marathon. In terms of mistakes, she'd say not devoting enough time to recovery or rest. Yeah, that's huge. Do uh, She says do one, uh, or she does, one yoga class a week and other bits and pieces at home that she finds really key to keeping niggles at bay. So yeah, self-maintenance work, things like the first day challenge, the various exercises and stretches there would be super helpful. Again, that's uh, reiterated by a comment from Sinead saying that strength work Make sure the strength work is included. It doesn't have to be heavy lifting. And particularly if you're following a lengthy training plan, include some easy weeks to allow for recovery and adaptation. Again, super, super important. Those adaptation weeks, weeks where you can just take your foot off the gas a little bit, you're taking down to a kind of 60%, 50% um, training volume. It'll allow you to have a week where you're still running, you're still giving the, the stimulus to the legs, but you're giving yourself a chance to spend some time in active recovery, which will allow you to come back into the next week that little bit more ready again to go hard over the next few weeks um, and, uh, and and make sure that you avoid the, again, injury risk of just going hard at it week after week after week after week after week. Okay, this and that is, uh, yeah, that's where I wanted to leave it this evening. That's really just a kind of a rundown of the, the post that I shared on Facebook with those three main kind of marathon marathon mistakes to avoid. Always good to get other people's input. Always love hearing from people in the comments. I'd love to hear your comments as well. So head on over to Facebook. I'll leave a link to the uh, the specific post um, and I'd love to hear what training tips you have to share.
Right, I'll be back later on this week with another one of these podcast episodes. Whatever you're doing this weekend, running-wise, have a great one, and I will speak to you soon. Bye now.